What does pursuing your calling look like? That's a really good question. If you ask me when I first met God, I might have said it looks like someone filled with hope, aggressively pursuing their purpose with confidence. Someone filled with holy ambition and passion who excels at things and who stands out from the crowd. I'd still say it looks like those things, but I've learned it also looks like depression, not knowing what to do or where to go, struggling, and being unsure if you're going to make it. How does one navigate through these things? In this episode, Justin and I talk about it. He's a pastor that's building a counseling practice named the Becoming Whole Center. We've both been through life's peaks and valleys, so we know what we're talking about. Somewhat. I'm hoping it blesses you. Hey, welcome to Chasing the Kingdom, where our goal is to provide hope and wisdom for spirit-led entrepreneurs. I'm John Balawa, and I believe God wants to use entrepreneurs to make the world better. Romans 8.19 says that the world is decaying and groaning for the revealing of God's sons and daughters. And that means the world needs you. And there are problems that can't be solved until you step into your God-given identity. If you want to stir up those gifts, then you're in the right place. Let's get hyped up for today's show. So on this week's episode of Chasing the Kingdom podcast, I have my good friend, Justin, is it Ashurst? That's right. I said it right? Pronounce the H twice, Ashurst. Ashurst. Awesome. And interesting, we met each other. I have been working from a coffee shop called Dual 58. If you've been listening to my podcast, you've heard... The Holy Spirit Cafe, that is the coffee shop that I have been working from. And he is one of the very interesting people that I've met along the way. And we have just had some great conversations. And uh, I invited him to the podcast. Welcome. Thanks. It's good to be here. And um, it, it is interesting how and who you meet here at the Holy Spirit Cafe. And I met a number of people that I've just enjoyed. And um, so it's great to just be with you. I see you walking around. You like, you know a lot of people here. I know a few. Um, yeah. Did you meet them here or or you knew them from before? Some I meet here. Uh, some, you know, Nathan has introduced me to, um, like yourself and others. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I live not too far from here, so it's a great uh, office away from where I, where I normally work. And that's a great place just to meet people. Great coffee, great atmosphere, <laughs> great people. It is. You know, we were both praying, both Justin and I, about what we should be talking about. And and we came to the leading for, uh, we believe the Holy Spirit wants us to talk, talk about finding our calling. Now you're going through an interesting journey. Um, how about we start just by you telling us about yourself and anything you want to tell us about your journey? Yeah, okay. So um, I am a pastor of a local church here and I've been a pastor for seven, eight years been in ministry for about 15 years, been a Christian for about 18 years. So um, I came to faith at 26, and uh, I always tell people, like, nobody led me to Jesus, nobody invited me to church. I mean, I'm sure they did, but Jesus just came and got me. 
uh, in his own way and led me to himself. And so actually came to faith on a submarine, uh, hundreds of feet under the water. And uh, that was back in 2006. And since then, I've just taken more and more steps into ministry, moved here to Orlando in 2013, 2012, 2013 to pursue a seminary degree. And um, was it your intention to go into ministry? Well, I, I had left, uh, I was in the military. I left the military in 2009. What branch? I was in the Navy. Okay. And I went into ministry uh, right away when I got out. And I was in ministry in Seattle for two, three years. And we moved here because my wife's from Florida. The seminary was here. And uh, to be honest, I wasn't looking to be in ministry anymore. I'd had a, you know, two, three year stint, first stint in ministry. And I thought, man, this is not what I thought it would be. This is like difficult. I don't know that I'm cut out for this. And so I was actually just seeking to find a job and join a church. And um, God just so clearly through a number of circumstances just pointed to coming to seminary and following him there. So we moved in 2012, the end of 2012, with a three-month-old baby across the country, and everything was new. We didn't find a new church. We didn't find a new house. I was starting a new school. My wife could have been a nurse. She is not going to be at home. Uh, everything was new. And so we uh, landed at the, the church that I'm now pastoring. So I just started as an attender uh, almost 10 years ago. And I started going to seminary for the MDiv. About a year after that, the Lord clearly uh, redirected me into the counseling program. Wow. And that was in the midst of a two-week depression. I just remember very clearly laying on my couch, just talking to God, going, well, this is terrible. What do I do? Uh, and and something like a light switch just came on, and it was like, you should apply for the counseling program. Well, so I did. I got accepted, and um, that was about a 22-month program from 2014 to 2016. During that time, someone who's not interested in being in ministry leadership, I'm slowly coming into higher levels of leadership in our church, which is a little hard to escape if you're in seminary, you know. So I was, you know, hosting a group, leading a group, and then coaching others who were leading a group. And um, and so by the time I graduated with my counseling degree in 2016, I came on staff at the church as a as a community and care pastor. And um, I was doing about 30 hours there. I was preaching every so often, and I was pursuing a counseling license in the state. So it was about 10 to 15 hours counseling. And so that was seven years ago. And um, within six months of coming on staff, so much had shifted in the church. Um, ultimately, the, lead, the planting pastor had stepped away unexpectedly, and that uh, catapulted me into uh, preaching weekly for the first time. And I'd always wondered if I could do that. I always had a desire to do that. And so all of 2017, I'm preaching every week, and I'm growing and loving it and growing as a preacher. And our church is kind of uh, restabilizing after a leadership transition. Were you one of those fired bar preachers? No, you know, uh, I've... Your voice changed. <laughs> yeah, yes. No, no. Uh, I've been told uh, just much more relational style, more conversational, which is really in line with... Same here. ...who I am, you know. Yeah. And so... Uh, all through 2017, I'm doing that. There's a pastor search committee. We ended up hiring another senior pastor in 2018 at our church. And so I transitioned back to like a community uh, discipleship role, which I was fine to do. 
Yeah, we brought in another lead pastor, and after a year of struggle, that just did not work out for a number of reasons, and we had to let uh, we had to let him go. And so after that, um, we decided to, to kind of shift our model to more of team leadership, and I stepped back into preaching uh, every week, over teaching and discipleship. And so for the last uh, four years, that's what I've been doing. Of course, we persevered through COVID, which uh, was a struggle for every church. Yes. And, um, and recently last year, just, uh, another, we, we kind of transitioned more back to a, a lead pastor model. And I was stepping into that and there's just been a lot of difficult things that had happened. And so basically last year I just burned out and I just ran out of emotional energy, mental energy, physical energy. And so I took a sabbatical over the summer, which was the first time in, I think, you know, 15 years of ministry that I had some space to really sit back and kind of look at where I was at, you know, how I was doing, who I was. And, um, about halfway through that sabbatical, the Lord, I think really spoke to me. And uh, you know, this, this is the thing about calling for me. Um, I think I'd always been interested in it, always interested in, okay, how do we hear the voice of the Lord? If he's leading us, you know, he's going to call us. And so I spent a lot of time and energy reading, praying, learning the, the voice of the Lord. And so, um, over the summer, uh, just speak him speaking through other people, uh, my own kind of convictions, just looking at who I am. I'd done a lot of work, just looking back at my past and personality traits and who I was. And one of the things, as I was telling my story, uh, to different people over the sabbatical was every time I would talk about getting into the counseling room for the first time and the counseling program, I would say that was the first time in my life that I felt like this is what I was made to do. And that was such a powerful statement. And I can remember that moment. And every time I would tell that story, people would comment on that and say, well, that's really interesting. We know you're kind of searching for, you know, who you are and what the Lord's calling you to. So that might be something to pay attention to. Right. And now the question though, was this counseling something you remember like even liking to do before you got saved? Yeah. Yeah. And so, so I'll say this, you know, once it became clear to me that that was one of my primary giftings was sitting with people, whether it's counseling, one-on-one discipleship, mentoring, whatever you want to call it, coaching, but really be able to attune to someone's story yeah, and help them then begin to tune into what God is doing. Right. And so I've had to walk through my own journey of that. And so I love this statement that you, you can't lead people where you haven't gone yourself. Exactly. And so, um, so to your question, as I look back on my life, I, number one, from a very young age, and I grew up in a, a broken home, a divorced home, um, you know, just alcoholic, you know, family, just lots of hardship. Um, and so from a very young age, I was like, how do I make sense of this? What is the truth? And so I was a, a lifelong truth seeker. And so... I remember always getting in deep conversations with people and, um, you know, in college I majored in physics cause I was searching for the truth. I thought science really physics. I would not have yeah. ever guessed that I majored in physics and I minored in philosophy. And so I'm like looking for truth. I thought maybe physics can tell us the meaning of things. Right. And I'm not a believer at this point. And all physics taught me was nobody really knows what's going on at the, at the most fundamental level. You know, you, you, it's interesting that you say that because I 
have been hearing that a lot lately mm -hmm. from experts, right? Mm -hmm. And um, it's weird because you grow up thinking there are people that know things. And it kind of gives you this comfort. Mm -hmm. Oh, there's these people that know things. And then like, you know, for instance, an example is I always thought Pluto was a planet. I would have staked my life on if you if if you said, hey, would you be willing to bet your life that Pluto was a planet? I said, yes, I learned it through elementary school and high school. I know Pluto's a planet. And then like later on, they fight, they say, oh, Pluto's not a planet. Mm -hmm. Another thing is um, I read this letter. I want to say it's the leader of uh, it was the it was the leader of the Harp Association. I forgot. But he wrote a letter to the public and he said, hey, we just want to apologize for the past 20 years. We had been saying that heart disease was caused by uh, fat and we had been putting everyone in low fat diets and, and attacking this disease through fat. We now have the data after 20 years that it's actually sugar. And so like hearing stuff like that, you go, man, I live this long thinking this was true. And then it gets turned over its head. I believe God lets us go through that because like we really are fools compared to him. Like he's really the only one who knows what's going on. And we can be so sure we can like be so sure that something works and it maybe it has worked for a time, but then God just kind of switches hands. And I think a lot of us are in that, right? We we're realizing we don't know. Yeah. Or even, I mean, to, to go into physics, even the most fundamental aspects like time and to learn and to postulate that time actually doesn't tick at the same rate, depending on your acceleration or your, your proximity to a gravitational pool. So have you ever heard the famous twins experiment where one twin stays on earth, another twin flies at the speed of light, you know, for X amount of time and back, uh, he'll come back and the, the twin on earth would have aged like much significantly more than the one who was traveling at a higher speed. And that's time dilation. This is relativity. And then that's just fascinating that that's true. You know, something you think is time, very understandable. You know, it ticks by. No, it actually ticks at different rates. Right. Which is very fascinating. So physics for me didn't answer any questions. So again, this is, you're saying stuff that just is like, like making me jump out of my skin because like I'm hearing all this stuff. So I'm a nerd. I'm a cool nerd, but I'm still a self-professed nerd. I think I'm a cool nerd. Anyways, my uh, my best friend is my best friend because he's a nerd too, and he, he's always researching stuff. And he was telling me, John, they have to, they 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 found out that everyone experiences time differently. Like, so that's nuts because you you would think time is an absolute mm -hmm. and that it's something that could be precisely measured, mm -hmm. but we're finding things aren't as absolute as we thought. Yeah, and even, you know, uh, like tech technologically, like the satellites that we use for GPS, if they didn't take into account the minute differences in the rate of time between the surface of the earth and the and the uh, where they're flying in space and our atmosphere, yeah, that they would be off majorly. So it's just fascinating. So this is the world. You think Khan's playing with us? I don't know. I no, I think he is he's always just beyond reach, right? Yeah. I love what C. S. Lewis said about God is a trinity. And he says, you know, 
God is a Trinity is exactly the type of God I would expect, something that I couldn't quite grasp, something that didn't quite make sense. To me, that makes sense of, of who God is. And so when we look at the universe, I think that's just another signature. And I think it creates wonder, right? That's what we're feeling is like, oh, really? How could that be? That's so interesting. I want to, you know, I want to spend my life studying that because we're actually honoring God. And with that, if we do that from a God honoring posture, uh-huh. so well, I'm just going to explore what God has done. And some people are gifted that come back to calling. They feel this passion. To, Man, I want to, I want to spend my life studying that. Or, you know, my wife was a, um, a hospice nurse, pediatric hospice nurse. And every time I tell someone that they say, oh my goodness, you have to be called to something like that. And it's true. And I, my wife is like the most caring, gentle person. And she can come along these kids that are suffering. And she's just this calming, loving, godly presence. And it's just part of who she is. Right. And so, um, so yeah, you know, physics didn't answer questions. Philosophy only gave me more questions. I don't know if you ever read philosophy. It I have. brings more questions. And so I thought when I got yeah. saved yeah. that... I need to study philosophy so I could come against objections. That was a mistake. Yeah. So those are two dead ends. And, you know, ultimately this was part of my path to Jesus was he was letting me explore and find that these are dead ends. And I saw, you know, walking with God, he's very patient and he will let us go a direction for a while. And so to come back to kind of to my story, like coming back off of sabbatical, and feeling like the Lord told me three things, which one was my primary gifting is really, you know, counseling and care. Yeah. Secondarily, like, you know, within a church leadership context, I'm probably best fitted for not a lead role to like run the church, but to be a support role, you know, kind of the counseling and the care and the shepherding aspect and be some being part of a team. Right. And then thirdly, that I was still in some form of burnout and needed to continue to recover. And so, uh, and at a soul level, you know, the Lord, I think he made that, um, real to me in, in, uh, in July. And then I came back and I started a month of sabbatical and I sat right here in this coffee shop. It's probably when we really started to talk and I spent two weeks just seeking the Lord going, okay, I think I've heard you on this. Can, can I just make sure that this is what you're saying to me? Because I'm going to have to go back to the church and say, I actually feel like the Lord has redirected me a bit from a, a lead pastor role to a really building up a counseling and care ministry uh, and continuing to, to, to pastor an elder at the church in, in some regard and in some form. And we're all just kind of in the midst of that. But I think what sticks out to me when I think about like one of the things that I just feels like calling to me was once I realized, I'd say relearned that this is how God has made me, it was like, oh, I already knew this. I knew this when I was sitting in the counseling office and I felt like, yeah, this is what I was made to do. And before that, you asked, was I interested in that? Before that, at, at the church in Seattle, like I thrived and waiting one-on-one with people and asking questions and being curious about people's lives. There's just a curiosity I have to sit with people because they're fascinating to me. Nobody has the same story. Right. And the more I learn about the dynamics of, you know, the ways that we're all wounded and how that creates problems in the finding our calling, creates p- obstacles in how we see God as a loving Father, and it creates you know our 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 nature to respond to our suffering or people that have sinned against us, often in sinful ways. 
And so we try to, to soothe or cope with uh, the pain that we feel often by going to things that God hasn't prescribed because we ultimately don't trust God because of sin and because of wounding and because we live in a fallen and broken world. And so a lot of my heart actually in a counseling or shepherding or discipling context is to help people identify what are these obstacles that are in your life through wounding that you've experienced or ways that you've responded to that that have created barriers between you and God and seeing Jesus as he is. Because if we saw Jesus as he is, we would readily come to him. Just like the woman at the well. And Jesus says to him, if you knew who you were talking to, right, you would come to me and you would ask and I would give you living water. Problem is she doesn't know who she's talking to. The problem for even most believers, I think, is we have an idea of who Jesus is, but we're not seeing him. Our hearts aren't captured by his right. beauty and glory because of these obstacles. And so I want to come alongside and help people. Hey, let's identify some of those ob- obstacles and see if we can't remove those. So your path to Jesus is a little more clear. And when we come to Jesus, that's when we're going to find our call here. Right? It's Colossians 3. Our life is hidden with Christ. He's the only one that can tell us who we are because he created us. You know, I there's so much we could unpack here. <laughs> so many choose-your-own-adventure ways we can go here. Um, but... You know, when you were talking about the Samaritan woman, I, I often wonder, in fact, I really believe that our lifestyle here in the United States isn't conducive anymore to recognizing the woman, Samaritan woman in the well. I think we're so busy and so, so unnecessarily busy. Our priorities are just out of whack. Um, I think like regularly we're driving down the road and we got to get to work we see someone need help whereas there used to be a time you know more people would stop and make sure hey are you okay do you need help we're just so busy like i can't be late to work i got too much to do i'm not going to so would we recognize would we pause you know for that samaritan in the well um and i just think there are so many systems that are stopping us from being who we are and stopping us from enjoying life. You know, it's the, it's the work system. You know, um, if you want to read something that kind of speaks against the work system, read four hour work week. That's one of my favorite books. Uh, Basically in the nutshell, that book is saying there, there is no need to work 40 hours a week. We are just, we are just working 40 hours a week because we want to look busy and our boss wants to know that uh, we're doing something to earn the money they're giving us, you know. And, but really, um, you know, it's a study and it shows like 80% of what we do in our work really doesn't lean to the benefit of the company. That type of thing is in the church too. I believe, I believe the church has gotten so big and the system has gotten so big that it's no longer focused on helping individuals. It's causing, it's more about, and I'm not saying all churches are like this, and I'm not a church hater. <laughs> I'm not. I believe more people should be going to church. I, uh, but, but I'm also like, uh, you know, questioning a lot and I'm always observing. And I, I you know, here's an example. I believe that leadership should be a solution, not a title. 
not to make anyone feel special. When S Stephen became a deacon, uh, it wasn't because they said, hey, we want to promote him. They, there were widows who were starving, and they said, what are we going to do? How are we going to solve this problem? How can we make sure the widows get food? Oh, let's make this uh, title called deacon, and these people will be in charge of that. And so, but it's gotten so backwards. Now, everyone's getting titles, and everyone's getting this and that. And, and so, it, it's, we're not, I just think we're no longer solution-based, no longer like stopping. Why is this woman, Samaritan woman at the well? And I know water that could satisfy her thirst forever. At all, these are just my thoughts. Yeah, you know, that's making me think like part of the, if we were, if we were to just focus on one aspect of what's happening in our world, you know, we were talking about technology before and, you know, the, the level of distraction and the inability to sit still in silence. For many of us, we're so addicted to constant, I need something, I check my phone, I check my email, anybody text me, you know, check the sports, check this, check that, um, because we, we have lost the art of sitting still. Right. In fact, I forget which book I was reading, it talked about, you know, back in the day, you'd fly on an airplane and you'd just be bored. Like, we don't know how to be bored anymore. Yeah. And, and what happens when we do that is we can no longer hear as clearly the voice of God. Yes. Which is so gentle so often. And so um, one of the books that changed my life a couple of years ago, and you've probably heard of it, but, you know, A Ruthless Elimination Hurry by, um, what's it called? John Mark Comer. Okay. Uh, Ruthless Elimination Hurry. So this was a book a couple of years ago. He's, he was a, you know, mega church pastor in Portland, just doing the thing, super busy. Right. And, um, the Lord got a hold of him. I don't know if he burned out or whatever, but he really started to learn how to slow down. And, and the whole premise is though the book is how do we learn to sit still and give back to these basics of walking with Jesus and, and, um, when we look at Jesus, what I always thought was fascinating, right, is Jesus, you know, he didn't heal everyone. He didn't go to everyone. Right. But if you read the Gospel of John in particular, what does it say? He only did what the Father was telling him to do. Right. And so Jesus is our Savior, yes, but he's also this model of what it's like to relate to God. Right. So Jesus knew how to get away and pray and to, to sit still. And he was extremely busy at times, but he knew how to hear the voice of the Father and do what the Lord was calling him to do, doing what the Father was calling him to do. I think you and I can do the same thing. Right. The biggest detriment to that is we never slow down long enough to learn his voice. And That's if we did that, sight. if we did that, we would more easily find our calling. Right. Or even these example that you said, we've all felt this, driving down the road, or walking you know, down the street, and you get this little nudge and from the Holy Spirit that says, stop and help. Or go talk to them. And many of us probably, myself, I just, I don't have time. I, gotta get, I know I've done it. I gotta get it. But I have, at some point, I have done that. And it's been a huge blessing. I, uh, I really try to slow myself down to where I would stop. Mm -hmm. And I try, as uncomfortable as it is, or as, in fact, a lot of, what I've done professionally is to set up so I would do that. Um, 
you know, I don't work in a co corporate culture because in the corporate culture, it was so regimented and, and I noticed I wouldn't stop to help people. And so if I'm being honest, part of the reason why I've done, you know, I've gone into business was I wanted flexibility and freedom to be able to do what I know is right. Right. And now I'm not saying that if you're working corporate, you're not doing what's right. I'm just saying I noticed myself that I was being run by an agenda that wasn't Holy Spirit and that wasn't my agenda. And other people were dictating my life. So I worked hard to get to a position where I'm not tied down like that. Now, I think that's great insight about we need to learn to be bored. I wholeheartedly agree that is part of what of what society is missing we are so stimulated that we and addicted to dopamine rushes um that and i think there's lots of reasons for this i think some people don't like the quiet or don't like being alone with themselves that can be you know from trauma that can be from maybe we don't like ourselves, whatever the reason, but it, there is like a, a weakness in us that we just don't like to be bored. Um, and I, you know, God has used sports a lot to teach me things. And when I played sports, I learned the value of pacing. Mm. And what I learned, like I did better when I slowed down, almost like not even trying and, but that was strategic because what I was doing was I was resetting to explode again, whatever sport that is. So like I'm, it's almost like I'm resting, getting things together, then boom, you know, like, and you know, whatever sports you're playing. Me, it was martial arts. Like when I was like sparring, I didn't go full pace, like hunt, you know, all the time. That would be ridiculous. I'd gas myself out. I would like rest. I would like slow down do enough to kind of like not get hurt but really i was just cock um loading and, and and so i could fire again you know and i think that is a life principle i think everyone is going and going and going and one of the things that's good for the soul is to do nothing and reset and be bored be bored so that when the stimulation comes you could experience it and be present. Do you think that's why a lot of people are experiencing burnout? Because that is, you know, you mentioned that, but a lot of people are burnt out right now. Yeah, I, you know, it's, um, I think, you know, the sports analogy, the physical analogy is a good one. Like, and the, the reality is like, we are a limited human being uh -huh. and uh, nobody wants to believe that. And so, yeah, I think when we, we don't reset, right. we, you know, blow out our adrenal glands and, and, and all that stuff because we've not learned to, to do that. I mean, God has created us where we need to sleep for six to eight hours every night. That's his kindness to us, partly to remind us that we're not God, you know, and that he's provided for us. So all of this, I think, what keeps us going, right? What keeps us going, I think it's a couple things. Uh, one is, to your point, like, we don't want to slow down and sit with ourselves, and I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One be, might be because we actually have a lot of pain that if we just keep 
busy, distracted. I mean, it's no different from a drug addict or, or al- alcoholism. Like I'm just, I can't feel the pain. So I'm going to go here and escape right. and keep doing that. Um, secondly, like very real, you go through withdrawal when you're not constantly. And I felt this and I don't think I'm addicted to like gaming or, or social media or any of that stuff. But I felt it at times you feel that pull to like, I need to be doing something. I need to check something on my phone. And there's something uncomfortable about not doing that. But that's the precise moment that we have to just recognize that yeah. and say, actually, I need to just sit in the discomfort. We don't want to sit in discomfort. But, you know, when I read the Bible, I hear, I read a whole lot about suffering being used by God to sanctify us yeah. and to make us more like him. And we are so suffering, uh, you know, of moidums here in the West where we have so much. And so I think that's part of it is we, we're afraid to slow down because we don't want to feel the pain, either the pain of our story or whatever we're trying to escape or the pain of withdrawal from constant uh, addiction to, to whatever that we can't sit still. Yeah. On the flip side of it, you know, the principle of Sabbath is there for a reason, you know, and we don't have to debate whether in the New Testament you're supposed to Sabbath or not. Like, I'm not interested in that. But there is something to the creative order that God in loving us says, do what I do, rest. And what was rest really about? You know, we read the, the manna, you know, the story of gathering. The rest is ultimately about trusting God. Right. And so it is an act of faith for me to not keep working. And so, so you talk about being in, you know, you know, the corporate world where there's high demands and all this stuff. And I get that. That's hard. I was in the, I was in the Navy for three years as a believer. And so I would rank up there with, you know, the most hours worked in a week. I mean, when you're out to sea, you're, you're working all the time. And so, um, I want to be sympathetic towards the corporate world. Cause you know, this is not the same as I, I pick my own schedule or I'm in ministry. And so I have to, and so there's a place for that, but there's also the place that you still choose how you spend your time and how you, yeah, to some degree. And so again, what I would do is I would, you know, listen to sermons on my way into work. Uh, when I was out to sea and experienced some of those difficult, high stress times in my life to that point, the word of God was never so alive. We, I think, just we've forgotten that we don't do that. We don't know how to receive from the Word of God anymore. Yeah. Because we're so, like, not used to it. Right. And so all these things come together to create a person who's going, going, going. And a lot of this for good reasons. We are made, we are created to, to work, to produce things, to be fruitful, to multiply, to have dominion. I mean, all these things is part of what it means. But when we do, don't do that from a place of rest and trusting in the Lord's calling for us kind of generally and specifically we're striving on our own and you can only make it so long because we're human beings yeah before you're completely empty and the you know the tree crumbles i mean you heard of those trees that they grow too fast yeah for their own root system and so they break and they crumble yeah well we need to continue to be rooted and so you know evil's intention for us is to remain distracted, to remain busy, and to be chasing after this thing that's not the kingdom. Right. right. That's not trusting in God. If I can do this, then I can rest. If I make this much more money, then I'll be okay. If I can solve this problem, and it's all a lie, because God is found in the midst of all. Right. That's where true rest is found. Hey, I hope you liked the show. If you got something from it and want to bless me back, leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, and also subscribe to my channel. 
If you want to connect with me on social media, my Instagram is at kingdom.moves. I pray that God gives you hope and that you step into everything he's got planned for you. Peace. Oh,